This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Open your Bibles, please, with me. I just want to add uh, to all of you that are watching online, we welcome you to Sunday morning, LEC Online Church. It's the 930 crowd, and uh, we're so glad that you are here today. If you're watching us online, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know that we have some families in our church who are experiencing some sickness and other kinds of issues, and I deeply appreciate knowing that you are watching and you are participating there, so thank you for being a part of that. We have monitors that are online, and they are ready and willing to engage and help you and minister to you today, so thank you for being a part of our online service this morning. We are continuing our series that we are calling 40 Days in Philippians, and we are in chapter 4. And, uh, and I want to read just one verse of Scripture this morning. It's verse 9. So if you want to get ready with that, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. And I'll ask you, if you will, to stand with me for uh, the reading of this verse. Last week, if you were here or if you watched, you remember that we talked extensively about how to overcome worry. How to defeat worry in your life. How to defeat fear and anxiety. And we talked about this, this idea of our confidence in God and who He was and what He meant to us. And right at the end of that, remember that if you know the passage, or if you have your Bibles and you notice it, notice that He's still in this same thread because in verse 8 he said whatever things are lovely just pure of good report think on these things and then he says this in verse 9 keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing then the God of peace will be with you. I'd like to just read it again for its emphasis and hope that you make the connection because remember he's talking about overcoming worry, overcoming fear, living a life of peace and victory. Discipline your mind. He's talking about prayer, praise, adoration, intercession, Discipline your mind about what you're thinking. And then he says, keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Talking about Paul. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Now before we pray, and before you sit down, I want to ask you a question. It's a very provoking question, and I, and I tell you that up front. Somebody walks up to you and says, how do I get to heaven? Would you be comfortable looking at them and saying, just do what I do? 
That's how you get to heaven. You just do what I do. Follow me. Do the things that I do. And you'll make it to heaven. It's powerful. That's what Paul's saying. Just do what I do. What you've seen me do, what I've said to you, just keep doing that. And you're going to make it. That's where we're going this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're about to do in this room. I just feel the anointing of God and know that this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments where you're about to do something very sovereign and very holy in this house. And I pray not only for my colleagues who are here in this room, but those who are watching online today, that the Word of God will strongly and powerfully penetrate every heart and every life. Let, let your will be done in this house. Let there be an ability, Lord, to connect by the Spirit to the Word of the Lord. And God, we are careful that your name receive praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at somebody as best you can with that mask on and say, just do what I do. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. Jerry, if you would freshen up the monitor for me, that's all I need you to do. Okay, please. Some of you probably know this, but I love to write. By the grace and the help of God, I have published 11 books, and I am proud of every one of them. I am always working on a writing project. At any given time, there are a variety of projects on my computer that reflect my passion to write. There is a project on my computer that is unfinished. I plan to finish it. It's my desire to finish it. I hope to do it soon. I probably should have done it years ago. But the working project, the working title of that project is called this, Eight Things Kids Need from Their Church. Eight Things That Kids Need from Their Church. And I outline in that writing project, I outline my concerns for the church, for our church, that we are not diligently passing on and engaging our own sons and daughters in the practice of faith. That in fact, children are growing up in this church who do not know God and who do not know how to follow God because we have not diligently done that. One of those eight things in the book project uh, that kids in this church here need are what I call models to follow. They need models to follow. They need examples of faith in practice that can be the support beams for the development of their own faith. Now the reason that I say that is without models, the things that our children hear us preach, sing, and talk about are merely principles and concepts but they have no flesh and blood. There's no opportunity to see it in action. It's just something that we holler about from the stage or preach about or talk about in a classroom. And there's no opportunity for someone to see what that looks like when someone is a fully devoted 
believer in Jesus Christ. It's why I'm intrigued by this verse. I wasn't going to preach this verse. I was captured by it months ago, and I wasn't going to do it, but I couldn't get away from how important this verse is in that tag between how to overcome worry and get to the verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because that's where we're going. And in the, in, the, in the bridge of that, Paul says to the church at Philippi, if you want this fuller life, if you want the more of Jesus, if you want to know him in a deeper way, just do what I do. Just follow me and do the things that I do. Mimic the things that I'm doing, the things that I've said, the things that I've shown you, the things that I've demonstrated to you. That's how you get there. And, and, and all week long, I have been captured by this question that if somebody wanted to get to heaven, could they in fact get to heaven if they just do what I do? Am I living the kind of life? Am I the kind of example? Am I the model to my children? Am I the model to my colleagues at work? Am I the model to the people who know me best? To say, if I can just do what he does, if I just do what she does, I will surely make it to heaven. So I want to suggest two things, very briefly. And I'm praying that God will speak to you out of both of them. Here's the first. It is not enough to just hear the gospel. And yet I'm afraid that's what a lot of us do. We just hear the gospel. This is such a critical question that we have to answer today because regardless of how uncomfortable it makes us, you have to answer this question. What are you doing with what God has been teaching you? What evidence is there that you are being changed by the gospel that you are hearing every day of your life? Is your thought life changed? Is your heart closer to God? Do you treat people differently? Is there a spirit and a compassion for others? Is it obvious to people that you are changed? Or do you still go to the same places, still talk the same way, still practice the same habits that you had before you said you got saved? You know, I've occasionally, and I say that word carefully, occasionally met some people who tried to tell me that they really were saved. And I wanted to say, you may want to go back for a second helping. Because you never changed. You're still the same hateful, hard-headed person that we knew before you gave your life to Jesus. There's been no change in your life. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. He, he, talk, he was talking about it. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But he said, people who hear my words and they don't do anything with what I told you. They're like a man who builds a house on sand. And when the wind comes and the rain blows, that house is not able to stand. So I've come here this morning carefully but strongly to tell every one of us that faith is... Faith is not only belief, but it is action. It is action. 
It's not just enough to believe. And I know somebody says, well, you've been telling us that for weeks after weeks. We just have to believe. And we do. But just hearing the word of God will not be enough. There's a challenging passage, and I, I won't read all of it to you. I've got a few of the verses I'm going to put up. But in James chapter 2, James says this, What good is it if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your action? Can that kind of faith save anyone? He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. See, I think what, Paul, what James wants us to understand is that our faith in God produces a character in us that is lived out in a way that people see it and they identify it with Jesus Christ. I've said it so many times from this pulpit. You, you probably have heard it often. But people make decisions about Jesus because of what they see in you. They decide if Jesus is worth their time because of the way that you and I live and the way that we carry on our life. Now at the end of James at the end of James's discourse in chapter 2, he says this in verse 26, faith without action is as dead as a body without a soul. Your faith is not enough if you do not act in a way that brings glory to God and to Jesus Christ. So there must be some tangible evidence in your life that you belong to Jesus Christ. Now let me be careful. Because I can almost hear some of you now wondering about things that you've heard me say. You are not saved by your works. You can go to church every day of your life and you can still be lost. You're not saved by the things that you do. But your faith in God triggers something in you that is evident and brings glory to God. And that's what Paul is saying. It changes the way that we live. It changes the relationships that we have. We become better husbands. We become better wives. We become better family members. We become better workers. There's a story told around my hometown where I grew up. In the town of Kannapolis, North Carolina, there is a Church of God orphanage. And that orphanage sits on 150 acres of property that were, was once donated by a very wealthy philanthropic owner of Cannon Mills. You probably at some point in your life used Cannon sheets and towels. That's what they were known for back in the day when the textile industry was so hot in the south. Cannon Mills was big in that part of the country where I grew up. And there was a revival that broke out in the old Kannapolis Elm Street Church. It went on for months and months. 
people were getting saved and changed and touched by God. And the Spirit of the Lord was at work in that, in that community. And one day, Mr. Cannon came to the pastor of that church. And he said, I understand that you are trying to start an orphanage for children. He said, I am. He said, well, here's the money that you'll need and here is the property. And I want to tell you why I'm giving this to you. Because many of the people that now attend your church work for me. And he said, as you've gone through these meetings that you've been having, they've been walking into my office day after day after day saying, Mr. Cannon, I need to apologize and confess to you. I've been stealing towels and washcloths and sheets when I would walk out of here in the evening, but I've given my heart to Jesus Christ, and I don't want to do that anymore, and I'm willing to pay for everything that I've ever stolen. He said, I have seen the tangible evidence. I'm not a God-fearing man, but there must be a God because these people are so changed by what has happened to them in their it's the kind of thing that the Bible tells us that our lives are lights to a darkened world and they see Jesus Christ in who we are and how we live. I feel him in this house today. Here's the second important thing that Paul says in this passage. That living out your faith is where the rubber meets the road. It's living out your faith. That's where the rubber meets the road. In your life. It's not saying that you're a Christian. It's being a Christian. It's not declaring that you go to church. It's being the church. In a world that needs to know Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes that we, we struggle here. And as I've tried to pray this out in my heart. I've come back to this question over and over and over. What? does a Christian look like? What does it look like to be a Christian? I mean, if you were to look out across the general population of Lake County, could you spot the Christians? Would you be able to tell me with some regularity, that's a believer right there, I can see it. And, and I know that in our past there's been some fanaticism that at times caused us to think that we had to dress a certain way or, or do. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about understanding what it means to look and act like a Christian in the world. The word Christian gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? People want to tell us they're Christians because they want our business. Or they want our votes. Or they want something from us. And they think that by labeling the word Christian that somehow that attracts us. And more than once we've fallen for that. But Christianity is not something to be bartered on the marketplace. There is something that is definite about what it feels like to be a believer. Let me show it to you. In Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 13, if you've been a part of the online Wednesday night Bible studies, you know we've been digging here for a while. But there was a church in that Acts narrative called Antioch. It was filled up with people that had been dispersed from Jerusalem because of the persecution that had fallen on the New Testament church. And these people had spread out into Syria and they had gathered up in the town of Antioch and they had started a church there. 
What distinguished that church was the fact that they not only preached the gospel to the Jews, which had been the way that it had been done since Pentecost, that the Jewish church had preached primarily to their Jewish brothers, but not at Antioch. The Bible's very clear at Antioch, they preached not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And many Gentiles were getting saved. And if you read in chapter 13, the Bible says, it, or chapter 11, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Now it's an interesting thing to look at because what was it that made people look at those people at Antioch and say, those people are Christians? The word is a derivative, Christ-like. It means that they acted, looked, behaved like the Christ that they were preaching about. So then he says, one man says it this way. He says, they saw, talking about the people in the world, the unbelievers and the, the folks that were not a part of the, of the Antioch church. They saw the ministry to the Gentiles and the fellowship of Jews with Gentiles went beyond the bounds of what was usually permitted in Jerusalem. Now that spoke to me. Because what it meant was that the people who did not know Jesus the people who did not claim to be believers, they saw something in these Antioch worshipers that went to the next level. And, and, and if you just stop, and I don't have time to go on here, but if you just stop, it reverts back exactly to what Jesus said. He said, if a man wants you to go one mile, go the second mile with him. If a man needs... I forget how it phrases there, but if he needs a coat, give him your cloak also. Go the extra mile. Go above and beyond. And in doing so, you will reflect the spirit of Jesus Christ to a world that does not know. This is what Jesus said in John 13, and I'm about to finish here. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Jesus said, you'll be able to distinguish my crowd. They love one another. You won't have any problems spotting my folks. They love one another. And I think sometimes that we miss that point. Because Christianity doesn't mean going to church. Christianity doesn't mean serving the poor. It means living the kind of life that causes other people to be inspired to follow Jesus. A few weeks ago I, I told you about my dilemma in trying to figure out why God doesn't take us to heaven the moment that he saves us because that makes a lot of sense to me but he doesn't
But as I've gotten older, I think I'm getting a better read on it. Because it looks like this. It looks like the kind of life that you live, Stella, when your son dies and you don't have answers. And you can still worship him. It looks like a mother that buries her baby and refuses to stop worshiping him. Because somewhere along the way, there has to be flesh and blood for this. People have to figure out if they can do it. What would it be like? What would it be like to give your life to Jesus? What would it be like to serve the Lord? I'm a drug addict. I've got an addiction to heroin. And I, I don't know. And God says it looks just like Billy Walter. That's what it looks like. I've got a broken marriage. I don't think I can go to that church because I've been divorced. No, they're... There are divorced people that go to our church. And they walk with God every day. So last Monday I was kind of finishing up these thoughts and getting them ready. And I was texting with some of you. you, you remember get, some of you remember getting those text messages. And I was asking the question, is there somebody that you know, some man or some woman that you know, who inspires you in a way that causes you to want to walk closer to Jesus. And with permission, one of the men in our church wrote back to me and said, yeah, it's John Masaccio. And I said, why John? What is it about John? And he said, it's the fact that no matter what happens, no matter how much he's gone through, no matter how much he's endured, he stands tall. And his strength and integrity before God never wavers. That's what I'm talking about. Just do what I do. Another young lady in the church wrote me and said, it's Racine Barkley. It's, it's the love that is so unconditionally applied to people no matter what. It's Don and Dolly Tyree. It's. The fact that they just so faithfully serve God every day and continue to press on, though the challenges have been tough physically. That's what Paul's saying. He said, I'm going to live the kind of life that you could follow me if you wanted to. If you want to know what it's like, just do what I do. That's the kind of life that God wants for you. So if somebody asks you, can I get to heaven if I live just like you live? How would you answer that question? If somebody followed you around this week, would there be any doubt that you're a belong, that you belong to Jesus Christ? Because at the end of the day, it's not about all the things and all the stuff people talk about. No, it's about living a life that glorifies God. And here's what it says. Here's the wrap. This wraps it all up right here. 
Jesus said this, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. So the challenge for us today is to be a model. Are we comfortable being the model that people follow to be Christian? That's the question. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, I thank you this morning that your love and your grace was enough to save me. And your daily grace every day is enough to keep me. So help me to live the kind of life that glorifies you every day. Let it be part of my everyday expression to live for God in such a way so as to glorify the Lord with my very life. And let it be that others can feel the confidence to follow me as I follow Jesus. There is no perfection in me, Lord. Help me to do my best for you this week. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, I do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to know Christ as my personal Savior. I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to do that today. Lift up your hand right where you are. I would love to pray a sinner's prayer with you today. I would love to help you take that first step to follow Christ and to serve Him. He loves you. He died for you. You can get started today. Lift up your hand. I want to know Christ. I want to be a Christian. Raise up your hand. Anybody at all? Amen. All right, open up your eyes. Look up on the board. Here's your homework for the week. We've tried every week to kind of give you something that you can walk out as you get ready to live this week. Here it is. Number one, is there alignment in your life between who people think you are and who you really are in private. Are you the same person? Number two, if someone followed you around for a week, would they recognize the influence of Christ in your daily life? Number three, have you allowed anything to come into my life, or have I allowed anything to come into my life that if noticed by someone would cause them to stumble in their faith? And I'll just add this before we leave. If you don't think people are watching, you're mistaken. People are watching. Thank you for being with us today. I'm so glad you came to this service. I trust that you have an enjoyable and great Sunday afternoon. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. 
For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.